What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Over Six Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Bennett Burke, and with me, as always, is the Turf King, Cameron Charlton. Cam, how are you today? And how has your week been? I mean, my week's been good. You know, the first week without football, I was a little concerned. Didn't know what I was going to watch. The Montreal Canadiens are watchable, though. Not only watchable, they're on a four-game winning streak. This first line actually looks legit. They beat up on the Leafs pretty good, and this first line was the big reason for it. They just keep coming and going. It's not looking good for the draft choice. We are now technically ahead of Arizona in points percentage, so that's not good. But, man, the Habs are watchable. That's all I wanted this year. Whether things were really bad, really good, be competitive. Be what we were talking about Ottawa last year. Be the pesky Canadians this year. That's what I want. Ooh. How are you doing, Burke? I'm doing good. I like the I like the pesky Canadians. That's funny. You know, pesky. I mean, pesky sends whatever. I actually, to be honest, I haven't watched like now that it's not the North Division. Like, I, I have no idea where the sends are in the standings. I think they're bad. It seems like they're less pesky to me, but I, I can't even say. I don't even actually know. Um, yeah, Habs are doing well. We're just going to dive right into it, I guess, eh? So, uh, Habs doing well under Marty St. Louis. Um, now, I was having this discussion last night with a friend. And, you know, he, he was bringing up a point that, well, it's kind of shitty that, you know, players just don't, like, you know, talking about the Habs kind of winning streak after the new coach. And, you know, basically saying, like, oh, it's really shitty when NHL players, you know, don't give their effort or don't try for a coach that they don't like or a coach that they don't believe in. And there's, I mean, there is something, you know, saying, well, we, they shouldn't get paid to do that. And I'm like, and there's some validity to that. I don't think that that's a hundred percent off base, but the counter argument that I made was it's like having a boss, right? Like if you're at your job and your boss is constantly just all over you all the time and you know never giving you any space you try to tell him stuff he doesn't agree with you like it just becomes a work environment that you don't want to work in and obviously you can't just leave but at the same time like the chances of you giving a hundred percent for a boss that you don't like or you don't agree with or you don't believe in it's just not going to happen so insert a guy like marty st louis who has you know changed this Canadians offense, you know, given the young guys more of a chance to play, which you've been calling for for a while, right? Like you've been saying basically all year, like, you know, Caulfield getting set down, Caulfield getting no minutes, and then Caulfield starts to get some minutes and some playing time with the best players on the team. And he's scored like seven goals in nine games or whatever he scored. Like it's just, it's, it's the, the, the turnaround's incredible. So it, it just goes to show. And I know again that most teams, when you get a new coach, um, you know, you, you do get that bit of a boost, but it's not just about the new coach. Like it seems to me, and you can probably confirm this, that he's actually made changes and line changes and, and trying to change that kind of culture back to kind of what they were before. Yeah, it's changed drastically. Even going from Claude Julien to Dominic Ducharme, it was the same systems. It was the same coaching staff, the same ideas. A lot of it was the same because Ducharme was coming on as the assistant coach to the head coach. Marty St. Louis came out and said in his first thing, he doesn't believe in systems, which is interesting. He doesn't believe that the guys need to be in a box, where if you watch Claude Julien, especially at the Olympics there, guys were in boxes. They weren't allowed to be creative. They weren't allowed to do the things that made them succeed. Marty St. Louis believes in concepts. So he says smart players will thrive under him. Does he still want guys to be accountable? 100%. But he wants the guys to do what they do well in a concept. And you're seeing that. Suzuki, Caulfield, you're watching Romanov step up and throw massive hits again. Things that make guys scared to go into the zone. These are all these little things where it's letting the players do what they're good at and adjusting from there. He even came out and talked about Caulfield the other day. He's like, is he making more mistakes than he probably did earlier in the year? Yeah, but he's still doing way more good than he is bad. So I'd rather get him to give get three points and three scoring chances and give up one than be 0-0. Zero, zero. That doesn't do you any good. So it's all these concepts and things he's bringing in. And of course, you get a Hall of Famer walking into your room, you're going to listen. It's a little different than the same guy beating the same drum over and over again. You talk to Cole Caulfield, he wears number 26 because of Marty St. Louis, smaller guy and everything. But you've just seen it. Like Tyler Toffoli out the door, I think, opened it up for this line to get together. And they've looked dominant now. They have eight of the last 12 goals. Every time they're on the ice, you notice them. This Josh Anderson, Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, it's unbelievable. It's awesome to watch. It's exciting. And you just saw again last night, like they win 4 nothing against the Sabres. Suzuki has three points, scores on the penalty shot. Everything looked really good. And it's just super exciting again to be a Habs fan. And you're seeing all these young studs that they have. 
I mean, things might go down again. We're probably getting rid of Sherratt, so we'll see what happens there. But the concepts and the systems and just allowing the guys to do what they do well is really important, and it's awesome to see. And, and he's technically, Marty, Martin St. Louis is technically the, the interim head coach right now. Um, in a sense, it's an audition for the for the job full time. I mean, that's really what it is. So it kind of funny. It's 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 funny because you know from a management perspective, like I'm sure the Habs don't want to win. You would prefer to have the best odds to get the number one pick in the draft. But at the same time, for for Martin St. Louis, like he's thinking like, hey, if I can, you know, just do what I do and you know try to get these guys to buy in. Um, cause you know, you know, what's going to happen, right? Like he's not going to get hired as full-time coach this year. It'll be done in the off season and exit interviews. You know, that some of the questions are going to be around the coach. It's going to happen. They're going to say, Hey, what did you think about Martin St. Louis a coach? Like, what did you like? What did you not like? And you're going to get mixed reviews on that. But for the most part, especially with the young guys, like as management, you should be looking to your young core who's going to be there a long time and trying to find a fit for them. And I'm not saying that, you know, the players get to dictate who their coach is. And, you know, when you get a player's coach, sometimes it's not always a good thing. But at the same time, if the core group of guys that are going to be there for a while are like, yes, this guy's helped us, this, that, and the other thing, that's a huge positive for, for that organization. Yeah, I mean, it's an audition both ways as well. St. Louis isn't 100% sure he's ready to give up the family life and do this full-time. There's a ton of work that needs to be done to be a head coach in the NHL. So it's an audition both ways to see if this is what he wants to do, what they want to do, and it makes perfect sense for him to be the intern for this year because you know you're going to get the best out of guys like Suzuki Caulfield. You've even seen it from Petrie's now. His game stepped up huge, and it's just all these things are lining up perfectly right now. They're maybe winning too many games with where they are in the standings, <laughs> as we've kind of mentioned. But this draft is, again, we saw the guy who's supposed to go fifth overall right now in most rankings. He just led the Olympics in scoring as a 17-year-old. So the top five picks can kind of flip and flop a bit. I mean, Shane Wright's probably the number one. But if you end up with a guy like that, it's probably not the end of the world. So as long as they get a top three pick here still, it'll be good. But I'd rather be seeing these positives from all these guys than all these negatives in the way this team looked. Like, when you see guys like Suzuki and Caulfield, the way they looked in the playoffs last year, like every time Caulfield touched the puck in the playoffs, you're like, this guy has a chance to score. And through 30 games this year, he had one goal. He has six in his last seven, 10 points in his last seven games, and he looks good. He's making plays. He's doing it. He's doing getting those goals that you see Ovechkin, Matthews, and stuff, Dabrinkit get, where you're like, that wasn't really a scoring chance, but the puck was off his stick quick, and it's in the back of the net, whether it's a knuckle puck or what it is. The goal against Toronto the other day, it was a one-timer kind of in the middle of the net, but it knuckled. But those are goal scores goals. They get those bounces. They get those shots that go in, and you're seeing it from this kid who scored at every level. He's broken records at every level. So, again, this is just... This is what I wanted to see. The season hasn't gone well. It's been horrible to be a Habs fan. These last seven games have been fun. It's been fun to watch them, and it's always fun when they beat the Leafs. Well, and, yeah, speaking of that game, I mean, I profited greatly off of that. I had a bit of a, you know, I was kind of thinking beforehand. I'm like, okay, you know, Leafs have won. They, you know, they, they, I'm not sure if they had lost the game before or won. I think they had won. But they basically, Keith comes out and basically says, you know, in the pregame interview, midday, was like, oh, you know, Montreal, this, that, and the other thing. They've gotten really good, so we're going to have to be good. And I'm like, the vibe that he was giving off in that interview, I was like, uh-oh, I don't like this at all. So I go on, and I look, and the Habs are plus 320 on the money line. I don't care, and we've talked about this before. I don't care who it is. Nobody should be plus 320 on the money line. I don't care if it's Buffalo, Arizona. I don't, I don't care. Like, like hockey is one of those sports where you 100% can have nights off all over the place. And I guess you could say, well, that happens in every league. But plus 320 in the NHL is crazy to me. Crazy. So I hit up that money line. Um, that paid out nicely. So, you know, I, I was tempted to hit Leafs at plus 1,400 when they had scored two because you never know. Uh, we've given up five-goal leads before, so maybe we can get a five-goal lead back or five goal deficit back. Um, and then the other one I hit was Cole, Cole Caulfield. Anytime goal was plus 370. And I can't imagine that I'm going to get Cole Caulfield at plus 370 anymore. Like I just, I looked at these lines. I'm like, who is making these lines for this game? Like all the have scores. I should have gone Anderson too. Cause he was like plus 250. And I'm like, man, like, I mean, the Leafs have fine, but, and like Anderson Anderson versus the Leafs is just oh, silly it's too. Money. That guy just is a Leaf it's killer. Money. 
Like it's just free money. Like you might as well just do a, you know, a a, a Super Bowl over point half over half a point, like bet, bet three six five style. Like that pretty much is an is a lock. So, um, yeah, I profited pretty good off that game. The one thing about that game that was the exact same as the playoffs was where the hell were the big guys? Where was Tavares? Where was Marner? Where was Matthews? They just did not. And Matthews, I can give a pass because he just he was in the uh, dentist chair for like three days. So, I mean, he was looking a little rough in the face. Like that's obviously not super fun. So I can give him a bit of a bit of a pass. But everybody else, man, like holy moly, they just it, they just did not show up. They they not at all. Like such a letdown. Yeah. I mean, my next big hot take right now is uh, you looked at it before the year, and Cole Caulfield was the Calder favorite, and I, it's pretty clear right now. Dominic Ducharme cost Cole Caulfield the Calder Trophy. With the way this guy's playing now, I'm like, shit. He's not going to catch Mo Sider or Trevor Zegras or any of that anymore. But he's playing some good hockey, and it's exciting to see. And this is the rookie that we expected. Who's favorited right now? Is it Zegras or Mo? <sighs> I think I'd probably say it's Mo, but I haven't looked into it too much. I'll be honest. The last week is probably the most I've gotten into the NHL all season. So, <laughs> Well, that's what happens when football's off, right? Um, and, you know, tra- transition time for us, right? Because we're all in on the NFL all year, and there's just so many different storylines, and there's always drama. The one thing about the NFL that's beautiful is that there's there's drama on a weekly basis. Um, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. I I think um, yeah. I mean, Ducharme probably did cost him. Probably cost him. I mean, sending him down to the AHL was the dagger, though. Like, if you get sent down, like you're not winning the Calder because what Calder candidate doesn't play in the NHL like that? that yeah. Well, it's not. It's not possible. No. Yeah, the things just didn't go well. Their entire system. There's a lot of issues there. And it just sounds like the organization is fixing a lot of those issues. When they've talked to Gordon now and some of the things that they're doing, they haven't had a full analytics system, which seems crazy to my mind in Montreal yet. Their development plan program. No, they haven't. They're way behind every other team. He says they're three to five years behind most NHL teams in their analytic department and their development development as well. And that's why you look at some of these prospects who haven't turned out good when it comes to Galchaniak or Kotkaniemi and some of these other guys. And I'm like, this might be a huge part of the issue that they were so far behind. And Bergevin and Julian and Tarion, like they were all so old school that... We were so far behind on some of these. So now we're seeing a lot of these prospects and bringing on all this. That makes me feel more confident about like a Caden Gooley who was just on the World Junior team. Hopefully we'll see him in the summer when that goes again. It just makes me feel better about the organization. And to be honest, I was fine with a tanking year or two. I was okay with it. I haven't really seen it, especially coming after the high from last year with the crazy run. Like now's the perfect time to have a couple years where you really suck. But again, I still think they have almost too much talent to be as bad as Arizona. So it's going to be tough to quite tank that much. But again, like the organization just seems like they're taking huge steps here with this Gordon Hughes, bringing in St. Louis, bringing in a different guy to talk. Like this is another one of those Rob Brendamore type coaches, a guy who works harder than everybody else, is a player's coach, holds everyone accountable, but lets guys be players. So I think this is the new age of coaches. We've seen it in the NFL for years with McVay, LaFleur, Shanahan, all these guys. Maybe we're finally seeing it in the NHL. We've talked about it even last year. I remember talking about it when we just keep recycling the same coaches. Maybe Marty St. Louis, Rob Brendamore. These can be these new age style coaches, these ex-players, which is fine. And that's how we move forward. And it's just, again, it's exciting to be a Habs fan for the first time all season. And I see a really good future now and a really good plan. Well, and that's all you need, right? It's it's just something to, to hold on to. Um, let's change the topic a little bit. I have a mini rant, which is Leafs related. I usually have a couple of these a year. Usually one's in the playoffs. Usually one's like mid-season. It's pretty cyclical. If you go back and listen to our podcast from last year, I mean, there's probably three or four of them on there. Um, I, I'm going to start by saying, let, let, let me just let me just really quickly tell you what the standings are in the Atlantic right now. Okay. Florida's played 51 games, has 75 points. Tampa Bay's played 50, has 72 points. Toronto's played 50, has 68 points. The Leafs are seven points out of first place with the game in hand. And they have 32 games to go. So they're a little over halfway through the season. We all need to chill the fuck out. Every, everybody does. And it's, it's very frustrating and you know, like I'm not a I'm not a hopium guy. Like I'm not a 
uh, ridiculous Leaf plan who, fan who's, who plans a parade. I'm pretty realistic. I'm pretty kind of grounded in the middle. Obviously, there's bias one way or the other, but it's it's in for the most part, I'm pretty impartial. It's if they're good, they're good. If they're bad, they're bad. The, we cannot win. If the Leafs go on a five-game winning streak, it's like, oh, the teams are shit. Oh, they, you know, they let in too many goals. Oh, this, all oh, that. If they lose three in a row, people are like, oh, fucking Campbell can't get the job done. He's garbage, this, that, and the other thing. Or he has a bad stretch of 10 games. Like, no other team in the NHL. I guarantee you that other teams in the NHL have gone through a bad month or a bad two weeks and their goaltenders haven't been playing well. But guess what? I can't even name one. Why? Because nobody talks about it. This is the problem about being at the epicenter of the hockey universe. Like, it, it's just it's just infuriating to me. You wonder why they run goalies out of town. It's because, oh, it's like, oh, Jack Campbell, do they need to address goaltending? Fucking no. No, they don't. He's 23-8-3? Like, chill, dude. Like, I, I do not understand why we feel that and, and like it was the same thing with Frederick Anderson. Frederick Anderson's having a great year in Carolina this year. He's had he had a couple bad weeks, had a couple bad goals go in. I don't see anybody rip it on Fred. And when he was in Toronto, this happened to him too. Could it per perhaps be that we just don't have as good a defensive core as people seem to think we do? And you're gonna say, well, Zach, like nobody thinks they have a good defensive core. And you're right. I don't think they. I don't. I don't think our defensive core is that good. I mean, we, there's obviously been holes there. Do we even like Morgan Riley's our only top two defensive. Like he's a top two defenseman on on any team. I don't care. Like he is. And I and I know again. I'll get some flack because I said we had to trade him because we of whatever, which is fine. We we can we can go back and talk about that. I still stand by that comment. But he's still a stud, and I I thought he was a stud. I thought he would get overpaid. He took a nice deal. We're good. You now have a situation where you it's painfully obvious. Two things. The first thing that you do not have, you have a team that has a bunch of four, five, six defensemen. You do not have a two defenseman. You have a one. You don't have a two. And I don't think you have a three. So you have a one. Thank you. Who, who's the three? I'll argue Muzzin's your three. Muzzin's a fine three. In, well, he's on LTIR. So that's well, yeah, like currently healthy, no, but you do have Muzzin there. Like you look at Montreal from last year, and Muzzin fits into the mold of what their top four was. Okay, so you have a one, you don't have a two, you have a borderline three, and then you have a bunch of fours and fives. And that's not going to cut it. And I don't even know if you have a four. Well, I mean, yeah, like, I I, I don't know. It's Going into the standing. playoffs, if I was a Leafs a Leafs fan, I well, he's been healthy. Scratched a bunch recently. Well, maybe the, uh, this, Justin Justin Hall, Justin Hall is borderline unplayable now. He's borderline unplayable. Not even a, on a third pairing. He period, was a like, stud like last last year. But like, it's just it's it's crazy to me that like why we should not be talking about goaltending when you're looking at this defensive core. That's it. That's bottom line. Because if you've watched, like, yeah, okay, some of the goals are bad, and Jack even came out and said, if I stop a couple of those, we win, and blah 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 against the Habs, and I'm like. Dude, like, yeah, okay, yeah, I agree. There's some that maybe you should stop, but you have to look at the underlying issues. Why are you getting two-on-ones? Why is there three-on-ones? Why are guys getting open looks with zero pressure? Like, I just, I don't, and you're a goaltender, and you know this, and I, I don't mind being critical of goaltending. I Like, it's fine. I, I don't think it's always a solution, but sometimes goalies have bad games. Like, that happens, and that's okay. But I don't think the last couple of weeks you can just say, Oh, it's just Jack Campbell and the defense has been meh. No, the defense has been horrible. The forwards have not played good defense. We're getting away from how we played at the start of the year, which was a strong defensive team. Now we're going to have we're having to score four or five goals to win and we that, that's not sustainable. It's not sustainable hockey and we need to get back to what we played before. Now, that's my rant. Do you have any comments about that? Well, I just like Sure, the the sky's not falling again. We've had this. We, I feel like we have this discussion on a bi-monthly basis. I, I, every time. The sky's not falling, but the same things are standing out that, to me, still stand out that this team will not be successful in the playoffs. It's their forwards, big forwards, and big games seem to just disappear. Their defense is not strong enough, and yeah, you're not getting that save from a guy like Campbell. That's on the the third on my list. Number one's the defense. The defense is just not good enough to compete in the playoffs. You don't have a decent top four 
at all. You're missing two of the t four of that. Uh, the Russian bear here, he's not going to be that difference maker. He could be a good depth guy, but he's not going to be in your top four and make a big difference. Your forwards just seem to disappear in any tough game. You watch that Calgary game a bit, and like these guys just disappear in tough games. And I don't know what it is, what it is about them. They light up anybody when it's not a tough game, or if they're in a good spot, they absolutely excel and look unbelievable, and they look like top 10 players in the league. But in tough games, they disappear for some reason. And then, yeah, you won't get the save. We saw it, I mean, going back to like Game 7 last year, the Gallagher goal wasn't good. You didn't get the save. Or again, was that the issue and the reason they lost the game? No, but you like to get those saves. So there's still these three issues to me that I just still don't see this team being successful in the playoffs, especially when you look at, are they going to have to play Tampa or Florida in the first round? I can't see them beating Tampa or Florida in a seven-game series. I just can't see it happening with the way the team's built. And then that makes me more concerned for the Leafs in general because Kyle Dubas is not willing to move a first-round pick. He's made that quite clear. He doesn't want to do it. He thinks you need those to build for the future and keep up the momentum in the program. The issue is, is if Austin Matthew leaves, if you start to have to pay these guys again because Matthew's contract's over, he's not going to take another lesser contract. I know the money was there, but the years was less. It's not going to be the same. So this is your window. What is this first-round pick if it's, you assume you want to pick 25th to 32nd? He's not going to see the NHL for two or three years. That's your window. So this first-round pick means nothing. If you could get a guy like Ben Chirot from Montreal who slots perfectly into your top four and can be a difference maker, why would you not be looking at moving that pick? Now you can compete with Florida and Tampa on defense a little more. You can do a little more. But right now, I just I think these same issues that they keep having, they're going to be a successful regular season team. They have a ton of skill on their team. Well, I want to circle... But when yeah. it comes to tight seven-game series, I just don't think they have the defense and the right players to get it done. And I'll, I'll circle back to that in a second. Talking about players not being there, John Tavares has been non-existent. He just, he, I don't know what, what the deal is with him right now. He just is not, like, start of the season, he was their most underrated player. He was sneaky putting up points and, you know, wasn't doing it flashy because he doesn't have to, like, he wasn't, he's not the, and I think, okay, I will say this. He's not the Islanders' John Tavares because he doesn't have to be. The Islanders' John Tavares, he was the guy. Now he's not the guy. Which is fine. Like that's what you want. You got an older player who's still skilled, and he and he plays less, and he, you'll want him to be the guy. That's fine. But you can't be a nothing. Like the money that he's making, like you can't go goalless and ten straight, or whatever it is. Like it's 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 just it cannot happen. And again, like we're not in that position. I don't know if he has a nagging injury. I don't know. I don't know that stuff. But just from a production and a number standpoint, you can't be non-existent when you're making that kind of money. Um, and. You know, Marner has been good, but but we're gonna have to find out here as they play tougher games down the stretch and say, okay, can we buckle down? Like, where's the I, honestly? Where's Nylander gone? He was really good at the start of the year, and he's kind of fallen, tapered off a bit, and disappeared. Like, it's it's like you're getting into this the, the doldrums of the year where it's it starts to be a grind. And I would imagine that you know, ten games from now, when there's twenty games left, playoffs are closing. I, I would hope. I really hope that they start to pick it up and really, you know, start steaming towards the end of the year because the last, you know, the the when when you go into the playoffs not feeling good about yourself, and and not everybody's performing at their best of their of their abilities, it's not a recipe for success. Going back to what you were saying about them adding, um, Kyle Dubis shouldn't be caring about a first round pick because let's be honest here, if he spends a first round pick. And they lose in the first round. He's gone. So who, like, why would you care? Like, if seriously, this is like this is like Bill O'Brien. Like before Bill O'Brien got fired, he just went scorched earth and traded everything. And was there repercussions for that? No, because he got fired. So why would Kyle Dubis not fight for his job and say, okay, we need somebody. We're not gonna get a stud off of waivers. Like let's. Like let's get out of fantasy land and you're going to have to pay for somebody that's going to be impactful. And perhaps he doesn't feel good about that because of what happened last year with, uh, uh, shoot, what's his face? Felino. 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 Um, like, like that didn't work out. I don't blame him for it. I think it was a good move. I just, it just didn't play out. So maybe he's a little shell shocked from that, but when your future is not certain, why would you not just play with the cards that you have? Like, who cares if if the Leafs don't have a first round pick in two years and you're not employed by the team? Why why do you care? You should you should not care. Make your team the yeah, best. Yeah, to me, it, like 
whether you trade that first round pick or not, if you can't make out the first round, you're gone either way, aren't yeah. you? Like he can't he can't stick around for another first round loss. I don't no. think with this car. I don't know how you keep him around. It's gonna there's gonna be some big moves done by the Leafs if they can't make it out. And to me, again, I just don't think this roster is good enough. He's gotta make a couple moves to get it done. Like even if you can somehow win one round this year, I just you're again losing the window with this team. This is the window right now. This team has enough skill up front. They should have the goaltending. I feel okay about Campbell. I watched the way he played against Montreal in the playoffs last year. He was unbelievable. Most of the stats actually had him better than Carey Price. But the defense and the forwards when it came to crunch time weren't good enough. And I still think it's mainly on the defense because I do think these forwards can get it done. But if you're putting too much stress on the defense getting their jobs done, like you watch how much they're still getting beat 5-on-5. Five five. If it wasn't for Marner and Matthews' crazy shooting percentage 5-on-5, five five, the Leafs would be absolutely dominated 5-on-5. Five Matthews and Marner's crazy shooting percentages at times help counteract that. And I mean, Jack Campbell's save percentage five on five has been horrible, but the Corsi numbers, the Fenwick numbers, like all the analytics show that they get outplayed five on five quite regularly. Their power play is unbelievable, which it should be with that amount of skill. But again, five on five in the playoffs, you see less penalties getting called. You see where you need to be crunch. And again, I'm just going to keep repeating it here. This defense is not good enough to be successful in the playoffs with how the game changes. That's a different conversation if we think the game should change the way it does, but it does. That's a fact, and this team isn't set up for the playoffs. And if you add Sherratt, then does it does it improve it that drastically, or do you have to add another defenseman? Like, if you just slot Sherratt in on the second line, you have Mo on the first line, uh, Sherratt on the second line, like, does that is that enough? I, I don't know. I mean, it's something. It's better than nothing. You start to feel pretty good about three of your top four then. So that's a big difference than 50%. Having 75% compared to 50% is massive, especially right with the way things go. You watch Montreal. They basically got by with four defensemen all playoffs last year and made the Stanley Cup finals. So you can do it if you have the right guys. So, I mean, we'll see. Like, I feel, again, they just, I feel like they need at least one more top 4D. At least. And then you just hope that a guy like TJ Brody can step up to what he was. Can he step in and be that fourth? I know maybe you have to move Sherrod or Muzzin up to number two, which maybe they're they're better probably threes. But you just need somebody else to step up, and I don't know who's going to do it. Uh, but that's really what they need. I mean, you hope TJ Brody can step into that top four role, but I just, again, I, I don't know what they do. But not moving a first-round pick, to me, is not an option for the no, Leafs. I, and I agree. Um now the the last part about this is is Muzzin went on LTIR today. So, what are the chances we see Muzzin before the year? Are the Leafs going to pull a Tampa and just say fuck it, he's not coming back till playoffs? Because he's been banged. Like to be fair, he has been banged up with injuries all year. Like he's he's missed tons of games, and he's not a spring chicken anymore either. Like he's getting he's getting up there in terms of age. But I I'm I'm curious. I mean, you see Vegas, Mark Stone goes on LTIR for a back injury from carrying that team. Um, but, like, I, I wonder I wonder if, if perhaps he doesn't come back, his cap space is available, they use it in the trade deadline here to get somebody, and he comes back for the playoffs. Because that wouldn't surprise me. And, I, I, and I, I hate it. I hate that, by the way. I hate it all across. I hate how that system works. I think like Tampa's absolutely abused it, and I know Tampa, you know, whatever they 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 didn't want it five years ago, and now they're using it. I get it. I, I hate everybody who does it. I, I I despise that. I mean, it's not even that I blame the teams because it's legal, but I hate the system. I hate that system so much. Not having a salary cap in the playoffs is dumb. There has to be a way that we could figure this out. Uh, perhaps that's coming up next on the CBA agreement. I don't. I have no idea. Uh, but. Man, like, I, I just I saw him go on LTIR. I'm like, okay, there's 30 games left. There's what a month and a half left in the season. Two months left in the season. Um, yeah, I don't know. Wouldn't shock me if he was out eight weeks. Yeah, I mean, you're, they've already some of the moves they made the other day maximizes their LTIR usage. So, and again, this has been a second concussion in a row, I believe. So you're not going to take any chances with this head injury. He's out at least 15 games, I believe. So why are you going to try and push it? Let him come back when you can. See what you can do at the trade deadline. Because now, if you need to maximize it, you can. And that's what the Leafs have to do. They're already kind of cap-struck. And you saw it last year near the end of the year where they had to couldn't use certain guys certain games and stuff. So 
they might have to do it again. I mean, Vegas is ridiculous, though. They are even worse than Tampa last year right now with Eichel now playing, Stone on LTIR. They've kind of thrown Leonard on a bunch of that stuff to try and save a bunch of money. They're going to somehow be able to get through the end of the year. Mark Stone has missed games all year off and on for his back injury. He will need surgery in the offseason as far as everyone's concerned, but he's going to get through the season without needing it. So it's hard to argue that because it's definitely a big issue. And how do you, it like, sounds like the NHL is looking into these injuries more. I mean, it sounds like Shea Weber has been checked out seven times by NHL doctors this year, which is like absolutely insane because this guy's actually probably not playing. But uh, it does sound like the NHL is trying to get on these players to make sure they can play or can't play. But yeah, it's, it's getting a little ridiculous, but the Leafs got to take advantage of here. But again, like, what are you going to do? Yeah, you have, again, you're going to have, what, $4 million in cap space? But you're going to have to move something to get a player to fill that. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. I think they're going to have to make a move, and we'll kind of see as we get closer to the deadline. But as we're seeing, teams aren't scared to pay up for guys early. There's a lot of reports that Chirac could be gone within the next week. It does sound with Muzzin out that Toronto did circle back on Chirot when they were kind of out early, but now with Muzzin out, they are circling back on a guy like Chirot. But you saw what a team had to pay for Toffoli, which a lot of people think was a lot. So if you want the guy now, you're probably paying up even a little more. So well, and it'll be interesting to see. I can't believe that they've tested Shea Weber that much. Like, why does it matter for a team that's not making the playoffs? They just want to make sure, because if he goes into retirement, it kills their cap, and, or well, kills Nashville's cap mainly, but hurts the Habs a little bit. And right now, all of his money is off the cap. So they're trying to make it fair by checking everybody. But yeah, apparently they've checked him like six or seven times now. And every time like every time they've gone out west, the Habs this year, he's joined the team just as, I don't know, an extra coach, basically. And the NHL's had their doctors check him every time he's anywhere near the team. Interesting. Well, I mean... It sounds like ra- like random PED testing, kind of like not a, you know you know what I mean though. Like it's it's like oh we're just gonna check this guy out again. Like come on, I don't know, ah, man. I just I just see this problem spiraling though. Like if, like this LTAR thing, if they don't get a, a hold of it soon, it's gonna get ridiculous. Like you're gonna have teams that are gonna have fuck like all the playoff teams are gonna have none of their players for the last 15 games. They're gonna skate into the playoffs. They're all gonna do it. And then they're going to have super teams going into the playoffs. They're going to try, or a couple who aren't afraid to maximize, or um, who aren't afraid to sacrifice their future, are going to load up, trying to get the cup. Like I just, I, I think I, the idea behind it was pure. I think I think it was like, hey, we, we need some flexibility here. But this is the problem with that with that hard cap. Um, I have one more NHL thing to to discuss. Why? I don't know if we've actually talked about it yet. Why are the Arizona Coyotes or the Fe- or whatever? Yeah, Arizona. Why are they not moved out of Arizona? How? Because of Austin. No, I, it's a terrible argument. There's no chance that he's going there. He's not playing in front of five thousand people. Sorry, it's not happening. And no, because the new arena will be ready in three years when his contract's uh, up and their releases. I see. I see. Everything lines up. Uh-huh. Everything lines up. That's- I don't know if it'll happen. I know everyone, every Leafs fan wants to deny it. But the NHL and Gary Bettman have lined everything up at the same time for Austin Matthews to go there. His contract lined up. The lease lines up. The possible new arena lines up. Everything's lining up for Austin Matthews to go to Arizona at the end of his contract. Is ground broken on this arena? I have no the, idea. Uh, this I, arena, okay. Really I will say this. is First of all, Gary Bettman is like, will die on this hill keep them there because he's fought for them so much this team is costing the league money if this team was moved anywhere else the salary cap would go up like facts because they would actually have revenue they don't have ticket revenue they don't have concession revenue they don't have merch revenue they have nothing they 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 do not contribute to this league they don't i'm sorry like there's zero dollar they they don't contribute anything so the fact that they're 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 eighty two mil cap, they're they're subsidized by the NHL to be there. Why, why, why? And I was just I was reading an article just about like, you know, kind of how money moves and that kind of stuff. And I was like, why are we paying this team to be here? I don't get it. I seriously do not understand why teams like Toronto like we're like oh, or Montreal or New York or like a lot of these big like any team 
Even Florida. Florida at least is trying to be a good team. I can't blame them for not having the, the fan base because it's in Florida, but at least they're trying. Arizona's not even trying. They, they are not even trying to be good. They don't have any income. Why are they still there? I don't get it. I mean, it's a lot of the same arguments you could have with Ottawa 10 years ago. Ottawa went bankrupt. They weren't trying to be good. They're still sort of not trying to be good. They don't really push the salary cap. Even the years they have been pretty good, they're not really trying to be good. But right now, Gary Bettman's just living on the hill that if it wasn't for the Arizona Coyotes, they wouldn't have Austin Matthews in the league. And that's a fact. If Arizona wasn't an NHL team right now, Austin Matthews wouldn't have played hockey. And he wouldn't be in the NHL. So he's dying on that ledge in hopes that he's going to come back. I imagine if... Matthews re-ups in three years when this lease agreement's over, Arizona's probably going to end up somewhere else if they're still losing this amount of money. Maybe this does work out better. I know this, what, 3,200 fans at the moment, they're hoping to be able to get 5,000 fans in that. The costs are going to be a lot lower for them overall. So if they can draw attention from the university, get fans there, they actually might be able to at least break even, which if you can grow the game in Arizona, I could see the argument there. If you're breaking even, and you're contributing to growing the game because you've seen like California teams have grown the game crazy amount. There's way more hockey in California than there ever was. Gretzky is a big part of that. So again, I think they're just hoping out that Matthews is going to go to Arizona. He's going to make a big difference down there. There was times when they wanted to give up in Dallas as well. And now Dallas, is, Texas is producing more hockey players than it ever has. The game works okay there. Florida's still just a weird thing in general. Like when they're good, people show up and the Canadians show up at times. That's kind of a different argument. Nobody, not that many people travel to Arizona. There are people who do, but that's kind of the thing is he just wants to keep growing the game in places where it'll never grow. So my guess is if things don't work out in three years, I know everyone will argue Quebec or Hamilton or something like that. My guess is in three years, if this doesn't work out and Matthews isn't going to go to Arizona, this team ends up in Houston. Houston seems like the better destination. Texas hockey's growing up. It sounds like that's a way better destination for what Gary Bettman wants to do with the league. He's had a lot of success with this, and that's why the owners are giving him a chance, is he's grown the game crazy in the U.S. in places where nobody ever thought hockey would be good. So the owners have made, he's made the owners a ton of money by doing that. If it wasn't for Gretzky, L.A., some of these other things, these expansion teams that we keep getting when we get the Minnesota moving to Dallas when they did it, and some of these other things, the owners would have made way less money. The NHL wouldn't be at 32 teams. It wouldn't have these players in it. So they're giving him leeway there, and again, I still think, this will be it. Three years. Three-year lease is what they have with Arizona State University. If they can't figure out how to make this team competitive, if they can't figure out how to make money, and really if they can't figure out how to get Austin Matthews there, then this team is done in Arizona. The one thing that I will – I mean, I don't really understand why Austin Matthews would go there because I, I don't. Like, he's not going to get the same sponsorship. He's not – I mean, you could say, well, he's playing for his home uh, – I don't know. I, I don't necessarily buy that. Like, you, like he could actually, if he really wanted to move, could do better going to New York. Seriously. Like, if he's that kind of guy where he's a fashion guy. Like, I'm not convinced that he wants to play in Arizona. Who knows? Um, I don't know at all. Um, one of the things that I will say, though, is, is that you brought up that Gary Bettman was like, well, you know, well, if Arizona wasn't there, we wouldn't have Austin Matthews. I would argue that no matter where you move them, if you put an NHL team there, like, maybe it would be – Bill Hillbilly from Texas. Like, I don't know. Like, like anywhere you move them, you're going to inspire a kid to do it, right? So I'm not and, – and I get it. I get it. Matthews is a generational talent. But I, as I said, I feel anywhere you move that team, like maybe it is Quebec City, maybe it's in Houston, wherever. But you're going to inspire a new generation, and a good hockey player is going to come from that. 100%. I don't care where the team is. It's going to happen. So I don't know. I – I, it was just bugging me because I was just like, I couldn't believe, just reading that how much money they lose, I was like, why? I just couldn't understand it. And I, I don't know. Maybe he just is, he's so stubborn that he's like, I, I just don't want to, you know, I can't, I can't move him now because I've already doubled, tripled, quadrupled down on it. So that could be, I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, Austin Matthews is into all that, but he'll still have it whether he's in Arizona or not. But he goes home, he helps out in hockey camps there. He's really all about growing the game there. I mean, you see him on GQ and all that, and that's the headlines. But he is still trying to grow the game in the offseason in Arizona. He is all about that. He loves, and he talks about it all the time. So it's not completely out of the question. Again, I they'd have to be competitive for him to want to go there, in my opinion. 
and I don't see how they are. But uh, yeah, these are the reasons why. And I agree, if they go to Houston or something, they're going to probably inspire somebody to play hockey. And hopefully it can be a player like that, and that's what they want to do with growing the game. So all these people who are hopeful it's going to come to Quebec or the GTA or something, it's not. It's not going to come to Kitchener or Hamilton or Quebec City because the game has no issue growing there. It's already huge in Canada. We have no issue growing the game in Canada. And another team in those areas, is it really going to work out? You're probably, if you put one in the GTA or Hamilton or KW, you're just going to hurt Buffalo and Detroit, I assume. You're not really going to hurt the Leafs. The Leafs are the Leafs. But Buffalo and Detroit are going to get hurt. And we really want to hurt those teams? Yes. No. They're hurting the... They're hurt them. Buffalo hurts himself enough. Detroit is a proud franchise, and <laughs> I don't really like Detroit, but they're they're a proud franchise. They're an original six, so they are what they are. But again, it's going to be somewhere like Houston where they think they can grow the game again because that's still the bigger thing for the NHL long term. Short term, again, they might lose money in Houston for a few years, but long term, that is the goal. It's been quite successful over the last 25 years. So that's what they're going to keep trying to do, and Gary Bettman's going to live and die on that ledge. I wonder why they don't move a team out east. I'm, I'm sure it has something to do with, you know, income. But I don't know. Like, if, what if you put one in, like, St. John's or in Halifax? I built a nice rink. It's just not not big enough. Well, don't you want to inspire a Sidney Crosby? Yeah, there already is there. Like, the St. John's ice caps and the junior teams draw a ton of fans and stuff anyways. So you're still going to inspire people out that way, no problem. There's tons of people from out east who play in the NHL already. So it's trying to get these non-hockey markets too. Anywhere in Canada is already a hockey market. We don't need. It's not gonna. It's not a high priority list. No, that's true. Um, awesome. We just did forty minutes of hockey talk. That's the first time in. I got one more thing oh, okay. though. So I know you saw the clip of Nathan McKinnon whacking slashing oh, yeah. the ref at the yeah. end. So nothing in, is coming out of this in the NHL because apparently the ref didn't want to put forwards a claim. Because he thought he was trying to slash the player. I've watched this clip about 10 times. I don't really understand Nathan McKinnon. Nathan McKinnon's a good guy. I don't think he'd slash the ref on purpose. But he still did slash the ref. And he was looking right at him. I don't really understand the confusion. It's kind of for nothing to happen of it. I mean, it was supposed to be an automatic 20-game suspension if the referee or linesman puts it forward. Which, again, would be way too much in my opinion for this. But there's got to be something in my opinion where there's got to at least... He's got to get a fine for it. Whatever the max fine is, like that $5,500 fine... Because you just can't do it, and we can't encourage people, oh, well, if the referee and him agree that he... No, it's just got to be... There's got to be more black and white here where you do it. Maybe it's not the automatic 20 games, because that's excessive for this instant, but he should at least be getting a fine or something, and for nothing to come of it, seems a little weird to me. Yeah, the clip was weird. Like, I I don't even know, like, it didn't even really... I don't know if there was context before that, but nothing happened. Like, nothing. The puck was dropped, and he he turns around and whacks it. I'm like, it was so weird. Like, maybe maybe he, like, I, I don't know. Which team were they playing? Maybe they did have the same black song. I don't know. Like, it just, it was so odd. And I saw it, and I'm like, man, <laughs> like, what, what are we, what is he doing? And, it, and, and perhaps, perhaps it was just the, I, I don't know. I can't even really explain it. But I, I think the pro, I think the problem is, is too, is, is that, you know, I don't think refs want to ostracize players in a sense, right? Where they, you know, make a big deal of it. Cause I mean, they didn't hurt him. He hit him in the shin pad, right? Like it didn't, it, whatever. Like it's not that big of a deal. The ref probably barely even felt it, but like at the same time, you're right. Like you can't, it, it's just a classic. You can't do that. Thank you, Wes. Um, yeah. It's just, you, you don't want a kid to be watching this and being like, Oh, if I get tied up at the face off, I can whack the ref or if I'm not happy about it, like not that that's what McKinnon did or if anything was wrong there, but it's not something we need to encourage especially kids and stuff watching the game because it's just something that shouldn't happen. There should be zero contact with the referee for any purpose. And to me, he clearly slashed him, whether he thought it was the other player or not. He clearly slashed him on purpose. I assume he thought it was the other player. I don't, from what I know of Nathan McKinnon, he's not going to slash a ref on purpose, but he still did it. So for zero to come out of it, I don't like at all. Again, 20 game suspension. At first, when I heard that that was what was originally going to happen because that's the automatic if the linesman or ref puts it forward i'm like that's extreme for that really extreme you could run a player from behind skating from the other end and you're not going to get 20 games but that's the way it is in any sport you touch the referees and it's way worse than anything which is like you don't have to agree with the ref but you can't touch them did you see that clip it's not the same thing around the other day of the the the, guy who like punched the ref or the linesman right in the face 
Yeah. That guy, which got banned for life, by the way. Now that's appropriate. Yeah. Yeah, that's because you assaulted so, a referee. But, like, but again, McKinnon makes quite a bit of money. These fines really don't do anything. But at least it's something to the public eye where you're finding the guy for something that just can't be done, and we don't want to encourage at all. So I think the fine should have came out of it at least for nothing to come out of it. Kind of bothers me and rubs me the wrong way, especially being a referee. I don't want to see some kid who whacks me and thinks, "Oh, well, I saw Nathan McKinnon do it." So. Uh, yeah, I just it rubs me the wrong way that zero action happened. Again, 20 games is too much for an incident like that. But there should at least, anytime you remotely, let's make it a fine and then maybe even have it, even an incident like that, maybe it has to get reviewed by the board. Anytime you touch the ref on purpose, it gets reviewed and it doesn't get the 20 games, but it gets reviewed automatically and you get a fine no matter what. I'd be much more okay with that than the automatic. But I'd even be okay if they expanded it into verbal abuse of a referee. Like I know, I know it's not a soft league, and they have dialogue and that kind of stuff. But there's times where, you know, guys say very not nice things to referees, and I I don't know. It seems so crazy to me. Like if you talk about the referees after the game, you get fined. But if you completely bitch them out and are like verbally abusive during the game, it's nothing. Like I, I, it's just inconsistent, right? And yeah, I mean, in this sense, a $5,500 fine in McKinnon is nothing. So, I mean, I get kind of why it doesn't make sense. But at the same time, like, yeah, I mean, you can't have that precedent floating around. Just so weird. That's I mean, that's all I can read. It, yeah, it, it was just, just so, so weird. Incident. So weird. Um, oh, I have one more hockey thing to talk about. Uh, Sean Avery to the ECHL? Huh? Maybe? Yes. No, he is. He's playing for the uh, the maybe the greatest name in professional hockey sport, the uh, Orlando Solar Bears. Oh. Great logo, great logo, great team name. Just uh, love it. Polar bear with sunglasses behind a yeah. sun. It's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, it sounds like he's actually attempting. He says he has seven months to make a comeback to the NHL training camp. So it sounds like he's serious about that. Um, everyone knows Avery as an issue player is a nice way of putting it. He's an ass. Uh, but the guy actually is pretty in shape he's always been one of those guys on the cusp of being crazy in shape working out like crazy so it'll be interesting i don't think he's that good of a hockey player to be able to do it but i mean it's making headlines now we got mike johnson who said if sean avery laces it up in the east coast league he wants to join a team in the same division so it sounds like mike johnson might be going back to the east coast league he's had a couple teams reach out to him now so what i think he thought was a joke he might actually get dragged into as well sean avery turns 42 in april you're not making the NHL, yep. pal. Sorry. Like, no. You're not. You're not Joe Thornton. Like, what? No. Absolutely not. You're not Yammer. I don't care how good in shape you are. How, how long has he been out of the league for? Like, well, I don't know. Five years. Long time. Oh, I, I'm gonna look that up right now. I'm just curious. The last. Yeah, I don't really the last, think it's much of a story. He played. To be he played. No, it's been longer than that, Cam. The last um, he played in the AHL in 2011, 2012 for Connecticut. His last NHL season, he played 15 games in New York Rangers in that same year. Wow, ten yeah, years a lot ago, longer than I thought. Ten. Time flies. Time does fly, man. I know it's like five years ago. You're like, oh yeah, five years ago. It's like 2014. Nope, it's um, that was eight years ago. 2017. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy, man. So anyway, that's that's. I don't know. Maybe he's just trying to stir stuff up. I I still see his video all the time of him bitching out people in the uh, parking in the bike lane. So <laughs> maybe they have better bike lanes in Orlando. Maybe that's why he wants to go down there. So, um, I I briefly so we're gonna wrap this up about the hour mark. So this is kind of gonna be our standard, you know, one hour pod every week. Um, bit of a bit, you know, well, obviously if there's an emergency stuff, we'll bring that up. But, um, I want to talk about how bad the N- the NBA all-star game is because it's so hard to watch. The slam dunk contest was terrible. The skills contest was awful. The, uh, poor Fred Van Vliet, man. Like they're like, Oh, like he's so close to the, the, the leader. He had to catch it like 21 points and including like money balls. And I'm like, I, I watched Fred shoot, and it was just clank, clank, hit a couple, clank, brick, backboard. And I'm like, this is painful. Even watching Scotty Burns in the skill cut, the, the young stars, I was like, this is – the guy couldn't make a layup. Oh, man. Like, I, I, uh, it was so, so, so bad. I would much rather – 
you know, people have been floating around like, oh, you know what we should just do is have, you know, bottom two teams, they duke it out for, you know, they have to have a two out of three game series at the end of the year, even in the NHL, to try and uh, get the first overall spot. And I'm like, that would be fun. We got to do something different, though, because it's just so bad. Yeah, I mean, the you had Josh Donaldson uh, from Major League Baseball there calling it out, saying that the only two all-star games worth playing are the NHL and the MLB because they're the only two competitive ones. The NFL is still the worst. The NBA did at least a couple of interesting things in the all-star game this year, playing to points instead of just scoring and having teams have to play for charities and stuff. That made it a little interesting. The slam dunk contest is horrible. It used to be so good, and now guys don't want to compete in it. They're just running out of ideas. It's it's gotten super bad, and it's it needs to improve. They need to get guys like, I'm sorry, if you're one of the top players and you dunk and you like doing that, let's do it. Do it. Actually, let's see you do it. Like get guys who aren't all stars. Get like Zion Williamson there. Get things that are going to be exciting, and they haven't done it. Three point contest overall was pretty good. I mean, it's interesting still. I don't know if I really like the full rack of money balls, but now this is the highlight marquee event now this is what everyone wants to watch is the three-point contest they're trying to make it a little too gimmicky keep the one money ball on each rack get rid of the stupid full rack of money balls yeah the mountain dew ball kind of silly as well like just keep it to your normal five racks with the one money ball per rack that's the classic that's the best way of doing it and have just anybody be able to compete again i'd rather see same with the nhl and the skills competition let's have the guys who aren't all stars there for the skills like, let's see who actually is the fastest skater. Let's see who actually has the hardest shot. Let's see who is the best three-point shooter off those. Let's actually see these. Let's get the best players there, whether they're the All-Star. You're trying to show off the All-Stars. You have the game for that. And the weekend is all about them. But you're also trying to show off the skills of your professional sport. So I think that's the way that the NBA needs to do it better. They fixed a few things. It was a little better this year when it came to the actual game. But, again, the skills competition was overall pretty bad. The Pro Bowl is just... The, the, and the NFL is just a joke. I see clips from back of the day, and guys are actually hitting. And now it's what flag football, two hand, two hand yeah. touch. The best part, best part about the Pro Bowl weekend is the dodgeball. Yeah, that's actually sick. I don't mind that. Like that's actually that's yeah, fun. Skills, skills is actually pretty good. I want to see them go back to the where they get the quarterbacks just to throw it as far as they can as one of the skills. But uh, I think I, I can't remember who it was, but blew out his shoulder, and now they don't do that one. <laughs> one guy just has to ruin it for everybody. I yeah. see how it is. Do we not want to see, like, Josh Allen see how far he can throw a ball? Can he get it to the 80-yard mark? I think, like, guys were throwing, like, 70 yards before. Can these guys get it to, like, 80 yards I now? would love to see. Like, I think you should do, like, an old guy session, too. Like, not just the All-Stars, but you get, like, the oldest QB. Or, or even, like, get, like, the second, like, you know, the backups in. Or, you know, like, get Debo Samuel, um, Odell Beckham Jr. To, to compete in the same stuff. Like, I think that would be... I don't know, Jarvis Landry. Like, get those guys out who throw the ball or quarterbacks in, in college. Well, they've, they've done that for the accuracy. Yeah, accuracy I saw that. Contest. They've had, they usually get one of the wide receivers or running backs to throw as well. And those are kind of fun. The skills are fun, and that's the way that the sports – I get it, guys don't want to get injured, and that's why these skills are kind of the better highlight. You get the guys mic'd up. You see them having fun. And that was the same with the NHL. Like, the skills is where the guys have the fun. They chirp each other. They talk a bit. The NHL has actually done it really well, in my opinion. This three-on-three is the best way to go because there's no body checking. Guys can still try hard. It sucks for the goalies. But, I mean, All-Star games are so tough, and I don't know a better way of doing it for the most part because nobody wants to get injured in an All-Star game. It doesn't make sense to get injured in it, it's, so it's it's tough. Yeah, I, I you know the one thing that I thought was really um, gimmicky at the Pro Bowl was, like, the nicest catch thing. Where they all like did the catches on the mat. Oh my gosh, I thought that was so cringy. They're like trying to replicate the slam dunk contest, but I was like, Ugh, there's the, there's better catches in the regular season. Yeah, but I mean that's naturally going to happen because you got defenders on you and you're leaning all that kind of stuff. Anyway, um, last thing that I want to finish off with, uh, F1's coming soon. They released their uh, initial looks of the cars. We're big F1 fans after uh, Drive to Survive was on Netflix. Season 4 is coming out prior to the season, so that'll be sick. Um, probably binge watch that prior because I definitely want to see how... I really just want to see the last episode, honestly. Yeah, the, the last episode will be crazy. Like, I would think that there's there has to be some behind-the-scenes stuff of Mercedes absolutely losing their shit behind the scenes. Like, Toto's going to be going nuts. 
Yeah, it, it, it'll be nuts to see everything around it. I'm super excited for the season overall. I started to get into it near the end of last season, so it was kind of exciting to watch those last few races. But now, again, March 11th, the next Drive to Survive season comes out. March 20th is the first drive in Bahrain. So it'll be exciting to watch that season. i got to binge it in, what, nine days I have to watch the entire season. So i got to binge it in nine days, get ready for the F1 season. And I know, like, now I know Sunday mornings I can watch – uh, F1 right before football, so now my entire Sunday's covered. Oh, yeah, you're like it'll be golden now, but it's gonna be tough though because Sunday golf, you're gonna have F1, you're gonna have to fit in, fit in 18 between one o'clock. It's gonna be tight. Sundays are just gonna be busy. I'm in trouble. I, I, don't, I don't know how this is gonna work out. Uh, kid coming at set, kid number two in July, and then all this stuff's gonna be going on Sundays. Woof, it's gonna be rough. Um, but anyway, I, I think that'll be awesome. Cars always look fun. Actually, the one thing that I wanted to comment on was, I, I don't know who it was, but they were using the that, um, I don't know what it's called, the flow paint or uh, the, the the paint that, tra like basically it shows the aerodynamics of the car, but like it changes the paint. And I was like, dang, that's so freaking cool. I, I Maybe I'm just new. Maybe they've been doing that forever. I was just like, dang, like. I just thought that was so like super neat when they were doing their practice runs because the, the car was black and then where they, where the wind was hitting it turned green. I was like, man, that's so sweet. Yeah, Mercedes has kind of done that for a few years now where they've kind of had that paint. And if you're going to be a big F1 fan, you got to start calling them liveries, Burke. They're called a livery. What it's the this fuck year's is a livery? livery? What the fuck is a livery? It's, it's just a paint job. That, where did you, <laughs> what their cars look like. Where did like. you get that word from? I saw you commenting that on our group chat yesterday. I was like, what? In the hell is a livery? They talk about it in the F1 show. You watch the show. They talk about their livery for the Yeah, year. but, like, why? Like, wh why wouldn't you just say, like, the look or, you know, the the wrap or the paint or the, I don't know, livery? It sounds like it's, a, like, for a horse. Yeah, no idea. Okay. Anyway, there's my rant about stupid words in sports. Um, anything else, Cam, before you want to sign off? Really a lot of NHL talk today. Um, honestly, not a lot of big sports news since last week. Um, I did see one clip of, a, of a Paralympic curling where the Canadian guy completely burnt a Chinese rock in the house, which I thought was super funny because he couldn't get his wheelchair out of the way. Not making fun of the disability. He just was not paying attention. And this rock was going out, and he just absolutely smoked it. I'm sure they pulled it away. But I was like, man, like talk about a struggle. Like, could you imagine you're just trying to get out of the way quick? Oh, like, oh my gosh, man, like, it'd be so difficult. But um, other than that, like, I, we, it's, uh, as I said, we're, we're going to kind of take it week by week. Hopefully I don't have a big Leafs rant next week. Um, I would hope that we turn the ship around. And trade deadline's coming up too, so we're going to have to do a little bit more. Um, we'll have to do a little bit more research into that, talk about some possible destinations for some, some well, for from house players see what if the Leafs can grab anybody we've talked a little bit about it today um, maybe do a little bit more of an overview and cam we have march madness coming up we do have march madness coming up i just want to touch on one thing quickly that we did touch on last week that we didn't get to this week and that's the saudi league has completely fallen apart we can make this quick everybody is out. really nobody's in Yep, Bryson is now out. He says he wants to play where the best players are. And this happened after everyone we thought was going to be playing backed out. Phil has a six-paragraph statement on what he said and why he said it and a big mess. All his sponsors are dropping him. He's made an entire mess of this thing. But it sounds like the league's completely gone now. There's going to be no golfers. We heard Rory McIlroy talking about it a bit. And he's like, for them to fill out a field, Greg Norman's going to actually have to tee it up and not be the president over there. So we'll see what happens in the next few weeks. Again, leading up to the players, which is in the start of March. Again, it's a good time for PGA season. This is really the start of the season. Every week's pretty good. So again, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens over this about the next few weeks. But it sounds like everybody is out now. Bryson didn't say it the same way everyone else did. Bryson just says he wants to play where the best players are. So if he could have got some of the other better players over there, he was going to go. But everyone else is out on Saudi. So this league's going to fold, it sounds like. And just an entire mess. Damn. Damn. And all it takes was was a couple of like really well-known PGA guys saying this is stupid, what's wrong with you? Like just like not exactly that, but like that's that's what it took for them to fold. The PGA Tour, man, they have so much power over these guys. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Well, not, not the tour itself, but just the allure of of that league and like the history of that league, man. 
Like it's it's just so much. Like there's just so much power in history. That's crazy. Bryce is probably so pissed that he's losing 150 mil. <laughs> he's gonna actually have to grind it now. Oh damn. Poor Bryson. Yeah, it's just an entire mess. But uh, again, the PGA Tour, you see the courses they play. You see the places they pay. You see the history of Tiger, Nicholas, Palmer, everything like that. I don't know how you don't want to play at these venues. So again, it's another decent weekend this weekend. Not quite as the same field as last weekend, but the Honda is always a good tournament. And then we're going to come up on the players and you're going to come up on the Arnold Palmer. And it's it's getting exciting now. And then before you know, it, it's the Masters. So almost every week you're starting to get better tournaments and most of the big guys are playing right now. So it's exciting. And it's kind of good to hear that all these guys are going to be playing on the PGA Tour. So we will get to see them. I can't week. wait for our Master show. It's one of my favorite shows. There's like three or four shows in a year that I really like. I mean, I look forward to it every week. But, man, there's sometimes like Super Bowl week. Awesome. Masters week. Awesome. NHL playoffs. Oh, man. There's so many good times. And uh, we're, we're, we're rolling in. we got a couple dead weeks, but we're rolling in to – the best time of the sports season. It is coming. Kramer's first half unders. It's coming. We can't wait. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Over Six Sports, at Zach Brick Over Six, and at C Charlton Turf. And for the Over Six Sports podcast, I'm Zach the Man of Burke. And with me, the man you know and love, the Turf King, Cameron Charlton. Thank you for listening to Over Six Sports, and we will chat with you next week.